the Influencer Entrepreneurs Podcast with Jenny Melrose, where I strategize with business owners on how to grow and scale their businesses to hit their income goals. This is episode 347 of the Influencer Entrepreneurs Podcast with Jenny Melrose. Today, we are speaking with Amir Arafan, and we're talking about key elements to make a blogger legal. This is going to walk you through everything from contracts to copyright to LLC or S-Corp, as well as trademarks. This is important information, and the thing that I loved most about this interview that I was unaware of is that Amira's mission for why she does what she does comes from her own personal experience watching her father get sued and what he should have had in place that could have protected him. So she became a lawyer in order to help other entrepreneurs. That is your ultimate mission of someone that you want in your corner. So make sure you jump on and listen all the way through. You're going to want to make sure that you grab her legal guide at the end as well. All right, let's dive in. Hi, Amira. Welcome to the podcast. How are you? I'm doing great, Jenny. I'm so glad to be here. How are you doing? Very good. Thank you. I am really excited to be able to have this conversation about the key elements to make a blogger actually legal. But before (laughs) we jump into it, will you actually introduce yourself and your business to my audience? Yeah, absolutely. So everyone who's listening, hello, my name is Amira Irfan and I'm the business lawyer, blogger, and coach behind asofgrew.com, where I help entrepreneurs legally protect their businesses, not just bloggers, but anyone with an online business, whether through working with me one-on-one or just simply downloading my done-for-you legal templates. I became a lawyer because, unfortunately, I know like how costly legal mistakes can be. I watched my own dad's business get sued for $90,000, which really turned my life upside down. And it was a legal mistake that he had made, which could have been avoided. And that just kind of like changed the trajectory of my life. And I decided to go into law and help entrepreneurs avoid legal mistakes and specialize in business law because of that whole incident that happened. And I and I just want to help entrepreneurs prevent having to go through that nightmare. Oh, I, not that it obviously was something that changed, like you said, the trajectory of your life, but the fact that it's rooted in something that you continued to follow that passion and that love for entrepreneurs, I just, says volumes about you as a person. Oh, thank you. Yeah. It's, it's just like, you know how Jenny, like some instances or some events in your life, like really transform you and change you. And like you just said, deeply rooted. It's just one of those moments in your life. Like you look back and you're like, my, oh my God, what a life changing event, you know? And I'm just like happy to be able to help entrepreneurs like my dad from avoiding making those kinds of mistakes. I feel like that really helped that whole event just helped me as sad and as, expensive and as, as, as difficult it was for us as a family. But I think that the best thing that came out of it is the fact that I found my true purpose, you know? Yes. Yes. So important. So let's start with kind of from the beginning, what is the most important thing a blogger needs to have to legally protect themselves? So great question. Uh, I'll kind of give you like the high level and then we'll go into like details. And so the first thing is like, you need 
if you have, if you're a blogger and you have obviously have a website, that's your business, right? Your website is your business because you're doing everything from your site. So the first thing is you have to protect your site legally. And that comes with like legal pages, making sure insurance, insurance with uh, Americans with ADA compliance, like people with disabilities can access your site, limit your legal liability. You also want to protect your content. So if you're selling digital products or offering services, obviously you want to protect all of that legally. You also want to use contracts when working with others. Um, and we'll get into all of those too. But these are like some of the important things from the very beginning. And also like it really is a good idea to form um, an LLC or some sort of an entity to separate your blogging business from your personal assets and limit your legal liability and have that peace of mind at the end of the day that your personal assets are not at risk. So these are all the things, different things that you can do to protect yourself as a blogger. Okay. So you mentioned contracts. What types of contracts should a blogger use? Yeah. So there are at least like, I would go into at least five uh, different essential legal contracts. And let me kind of like break it down for, uh, for you. So the first one that you would need is called terms and conditions. Now, a lot of people, uh, Jenny, have heard about terms and conditions, right? So terms and conditions can be uh, for your website, as well as for any products that or services that you sell from your site as a blogger. So no matter what you're doing, if you have a website, you should have terms and conditions because they outline what your website rules are. They also put people on notice how legal disputes will be resolved, where they will be resolved, and also they help protect your intellectual property, like the content that you publish. So that's the first thing you should also think about. The second thing that uh, as a blogger you would need is what's called a guest blogger agreement. So I'm a blogger myself. I always accept uh, guest posts, but every time I accept any kind of content from somebody else who's created it, I don't want to be legally liable for what they are providing me. So I need an official agreement in place to protect myself, right? Because I'm accepting these guest posts. So if you're in that particular situation where you are accepting guest posts or you're writing guest posts for someone, someone else's blog, you want to make sure that you have a contract in place. So to avoid any copyright violations, to, to even get legal rights to publish that content on your site. Cause just because somebody gives you that content doesn't make you the legal owner of that content. Make sense? Right. Yes. So that's the second one that people sometimes forget about. The third uh, contract as a blogger that you would probably need is a sponsorship agreement because as a blogger, you know, it's really exciting to get paid to blog, right? So you might be working with companies or brands that would pay you to publish a blog post, or maybe they'll pay you to post on Instagram or social media. Like I got paid to create a video for my YouTube channel. But anytime you have money exchanging or a brand that's offering you some sort of a compensation and, and or for posting, you know, about them, you want to have that sponsorship agreement in place to make sure that you get paid on time to kind of outline the scope of work that you'd be doing for the brand. So when I was creating that video, it was a very clear contract that made it very clear how long the video will last for, how what would be the duration, what's the scope of the video that I'd be creating, and so forth. So that's the kind of, and how much I would be paid upfront or afterward. So things like that you want to kind of nicely outline in a sponsorship contract to make sure that both sides are on the same page. So the how many contracts we talked about so far? Terms and conditions, I guess blogger, a sponsor, just the three. So the fourth one that sometimes gets overlooked is a, a media release agreement. So this is another really important, I call it a media release agreement, but you may have heard of it as a 
testimonial release, a podcast release, right? So in other words, yeah, exactly. So in other words, it's actually a release that basically allows you to use someone's like personal property, intellectual property legally without running into any kind of uh, issues. So in your case, for example, Jenny, like I'm on your podcast, obviously um, you would need a release, right? For for you to be able to use my photo, my audio, my video, maybe uh, in your business legally. So that's where a release comes in. I have a template, for example, which is which allows everything, right? So a podcast release, a testimonial release, or any other kind of intellectual properties. That's why I call it media release. Okay. So it basically gives you the legal right to be able to use other people's photos, other people's audios, other people's um, you know videos, or any other kind of inter- or any other content could be a blog post, whatever, without having to owe them compensation or run into any kind of privacy violations because you use someone's content, and those can be very costly. So that's something that uh, I believe that a blogger should just have it in their toolkit at all time, and maybe even added. I recommend adding it in your terms and conditions. So this way you don't have to keep asking them um, to sign every single time. You can have them click to accept your terms. And by doing them, they're legally by, uh, bound by them. Okay. So the last one is a freelance contract. And this is the template that my dad wished he had, because if he did, um, we would have avoided a $90,000 lawsuit. So it's 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 still crazy like how a contract can just like make such a big difference, right? And mm-hmm. that's why I highlight my own personal experience and working as a lawyer for over 12 years, I've seen so many entrepreneurs make this mistake and they just don't realize how important a contract is unless they get into a legal issue or a lawsuit. So my dad, what he did is he hired a freelancer, but he never ever bothered to put anything in writing. Uh, there was not, there wasn't even a letter of agreement. There was absolutely no agreement. It was a handshake deal. And then the freelancer turned around and sued my dad, sued the business. And it just was, uh, all kinds of crazy allegations. Lawsuit lasted an entire year. Then we settled and it just was a, it was a huge mess, which could have been avoided if with a freelance contract, right? So the point here being is that anytime a blogger, and and this includes me myself as a blogger too, that anytime I you hire someone, like I hire virtual assistants, I mm-hmm. hire SEO editors, I write, I hire blog post writers, graphic designers, you know, they're all considered freelancers because they're not your employees. So what you want to do is you want to have a contract in place with them to, once again, protect yourself because as a client, you're hiring them, but also for them to not, um, you know, for them to also get that peace of mind that they're going to get paid on time for the services that they're providing to you. So once again, a contract really just protects both parties. And those are some of the important ones. Again, I, there's there's a huge list of contracts I could go into. There's affiliate agreement. If you have an affiliate program, there's confidentiality agreement. If you... Uh, anytime you hire someone, you want to protect your personal business secrets and all of that. So there's quite a few different contracts, but these are the five main ones that I wanted to touch upon that are very common yes. and, you know, that a blogger would need. Now, is this something that you offer? Because I know a lot of legal bloggers will actually offer contracts that you can have as like templates. Yes. So... Yeah. 
Yes, great question. So all of the ones that I mentioned and even the ones that I didn't mention. So yes, I offer a VIP legal bundle. So I offer tons of different legal templates on my site, which are available to purchase individually, or you can purchase a bundle, which is much more discounted, right? Like the VIP bundle is like 70% discounted instead of paying like thousands of dollars with for just a few hundred bucks, you get access to like 16 different contract templates, 16 different bonuses. So everything I talked about, like even for the website, how to make your website legal to the actual contracts you need, everything is given to you. It's done for you. You simply plug in your business information and you get done in 15 minutes and you can start using these contracts over and over again. And the beautiful thing is you get lifetime updates. So anytime, you know, privacy laws change, uh, templates need to be updated. I give you all of those updates for free. So you don't have to ever worry about, you know, uh, keeping up with the laws. That's my work, right? So I, I try to make the whole process is very easy and uh, quick for for bloggers. And again, these templates don't just work for bloggers. They work for any kind of online business, coaches, freelancers. I have clients in the real estate industry. I have customers from uh, in the medical industry. So they work for any kind of online business. Perfect. We are going to make sure that we link to those in the show notes for sure. So my next question, you mentioned an LLC and you obviously said that's important. So should a blogger form an LLC or an S Corp to protect themselves? And when it comes to the difference of the two? Yeah. Uh, yeah, absolutely. So so the LLC is a limited liability company. You form the LLC for the legal protection that it gives you. It basically, in other words, you separate your business um, assets from your personal assets. And so if you have um, a, biz- a blogging business that you know is doing well, or even if it wasn't, it's just generating any kind of income, the amount doesn't matter. It could be $1,000 a month. And then it's really a good idea to protect your personal assets, like your car, your your home, your personal bank accounts, and keep your business general, just in general too, even if you weren't an LLC and you were just a sole proprietor. So by default, you're a sole proprietor if you don't do anything. You're not an S-Corp, you're not an LLC, you're just a sole proprietor, meaning you and your business are considered one in the eyes of the law. So if you are a sole proprietor and tomorrow you can get into a legal issue or you get sued, you are personally liable for everything. And your, all your, you know, your bank account, your car, everything is on on stake. So to avoid that, that's why uh, generally it's recommended like an LLC because it's the easiest to form and it's the easiest to maintain. Now the S Corp also gives you, so S Corp is corporation. So it gives you the same limited liability protection that the LLC gives you, but it just, um, you know, it really depends on how many more people there are in the business. So sometimes there's shareholders. So we have like, so it's a little bit of a more paperwork and more complex kind of structure, Mm -hmm. but from a legal standpoint, they both give you the limited liability protection. They're both corporations, um, but the S Corp is just for more bigger businesses. But here's, Here's what I recommend. I mean, I'm not. I'm not giving legal advice here, and this is not going to pertain to every business. But, uh, but what you can do. The beautiful thing about the LLC is that you could be an LLC for for a legal standpoint, and you can be an S corp for at the tax level. So you can make an election. Uh, so as an LLC, you can make an election to be taxed as an S corp. So this way you get the both, you both of both worlds. So when you get taxed as an S corp, you end up saving some self-employment taxes. 
Um, and that's something obviously your CPA would have to look at your entire financial picture, what your business is generating, what your other sources of income are to be able to tell you whether an escort makes sense for you or not. But right. that's something that you could definitely do. So you get the LLC because it's easy to form, easy to maintain, gives you the same liability protection, less paperwork, less headache. But let's say now you were thinking, hey, maybe um, I don't want to just file uh, LLC is for my tax purposes. I want to form um, an S-Corp, you can make that election. It's a simple form that your CPA will file with the IRS. And then you could get the, those tax benefits as an S-Corp, but still have the legal uh, protection as an LLC. Does it make sense? Yeah, I know it can, it, does. Little, it can be a little complicated for somebody who is not familiar with it, but these are some of the ways that you get both. Yes. So instead of with the LLC, the S Corp, the major difference, of course, is paperwork and then also yeah. the tax benefits. But with the LLC, you can just check a box, and not have to go through all the paperwork of an S Corp yeah. and still get the S Corp tax benefits. Exactly. Okay. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Perfect. Wanted to double check and make sure that I got it right. <laughs> yeah, yeah, because with LLC allows you to be, you know, uh, basically taxed as an S Corp or as just as a uh, LLC. So you get both options, you know? Okay. Yes. No, I love that. All right. So trademark, when is a trademark necessary as a blogger? Cause I get asked this question often for my audience. Yeah, I, I do too. It's, it's a great question. So a lot of people get confused between trademarks and copyrights and so forth. So I just want to first, and this is such a common question, even in my Facebook group too. And I have a trademark guide as well on my website if somebody wants to read more. But in a nutshell, if you're worried about protect, so trademark protection, honestly, guys, comes into play when you have some goods and services associated with your brand name. So trademark protects your uh, you know, the business name, the logo, the slogan, that's what it protects, but in conjunction with the products and services that you're selling. So if you're not even, if you don't even have a product or a service and you're just blogging, meaning you're just starting, you don't have anything to sell, there's nothing to protect. It's just a name. There's, it's right. not. So there's, it's not, you know, when we file the trademark application, there is a category there's that we have to select that in what particular, you don't just get automatic protection for that name in every single category. You, you know, it's, so for example, you know, there's a, um, for example, like if I am, I'll give my business example. So I'm selling legal templates. So I'm protecting my name, a self guru in that particular category. Doesn't mean that there can't be another a self guru. They can be, but if they're like in a cooking niche or they're in a totally different industry, we both can coexist. So same thing like Dove chocolate, Dove soap, they're both right. the same name, but they're both in totally different industries. So that's why they both are trademarked in those particular industries and they can coexist. So the name is the same, but there's no confusion between the public as to the Dove chocolate as well as the Dove soap, right? right. So I always give that example. So people always trip up. They think that, oh, just because my name, I'm, I'm going to get this blanket protection. No, it is limited to your industry, to your the particular goods and services that you're selling. So once you're at that stage in your blogging business that you or you have already thought through and you're like, OK, I'm going to launch in six months this particular product and I want to be known or my brand name to be known for this particular uh, in conjunction with this service or this product, then you can always do an intent. You know, even if you haven't launched it, you can still file for trademark or you could wait until you validated the product and then file for the trademark. It really comes down to your preference. But those are the times when a trademark is going to be beneficial for you once you've had a, a business that people have started to recognize the name by. 
and you want to protect your logo, you want to protect your slogan or your and, and the business name. That's all it really protects. It doesn't protect anything else. It's not like copyright protection where it's going to protect the content on your site. Right. Just the name and it, and it yeah. can be within the industries. No, I love that as an example. The Dove example was perfect. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Because people always get confused. So I, I had to give that example that just because it's, yeah, in that industry. So, the, you know, in, um, in your particular industry, you cannot have a competition. Okay. So you brought up the idea of protecting content. Are there legal ways to protect recipes? Because I have a large food blogging audience and that is the biggest thing that they run into. Yeah, no, great question. So, you know, recipes generally are not protected. Individual recipes are not protected under copyright, but let's say you have a collection of recipes like a cookbook, right? Mm -hmm. That can be copyrighted. So just simply only outlining ingredients and stuff like that is not enough to get the legal protection. But the other way you can get uh, protection for recipes is what's called trade secret. But trust me, it's a little complicated way. Um, but that way you can keep your recipes uh, protected. But basically what it means is that anyone that is, um, you have to have contracts in place with the people that are working with you. So they're not allowed to share you know, the, the, the actual process or not tell any, tell the recipe to anybody else. So trade secrets basically protect people that you share your recipe with, um, from, and they legally bind them from sharing that recipe with others. That's what Coca-Cola did. So for example, Coca-Cola, they have trade secrets so that anyone that is, uh, you know, that they worked with, they had all these strict, you know, a confidentiality, non-disclosure agreements in place to make sure that they protect that. So that's that's the only real protection. You don't get like copyright protection unless, as I mentioned, it's like in a cookbook, a collection of recipes, not individual recipes. And trademark obviously doesn't protect because trademark is just for the name. It's not the, uh, you know, it's not going to prevent someone from copying the recipe and so forth. Does it make sense? Yes, totally does. And I think my food bloggers trade secrets really doesn't apply because obviously they're yeah. putting out the recipe yeah. onto their sites in order to get more people to come over. Yeah. Um, no, that makes a ton of sense. And I think it is. Uh, so I guess this would be my next question then, because if let's say there's a food blogger that has the recipe and they have also had all of the content that was within that blog post copied word for word. Is oh. there protection for that? Yes. Yes. So if it's, yeah, yeah. If it's a blog post, then it's a different story because it's not just the recipe that they copy. They copied the entire blog post, right? Right. So for something like that, yes, you could definitely send them a cease and desist letter. Um, and you can just say, Hey, you, uh, because under copyright law, when you publish something, you know, like a blog post or you create a photo or a graphic or whatever, that is, you are automatically considered the copyright owner. You don't even have to officially register it with the U.S. Copyright Office. Just by simply putting it out there in the world, um, you are considered the copyright owner. And that's why um, in order for someone else to now use that content, they need legal permission from you. That's where, remember, initially I mentioned the media release agreement too, that, hey, yes. if I want to get access to Jenny, for example, your audio, that that's protected under copyright, you know? So I need that permission from you to be able to use it legally. So same thing with copyright law, the, the blog post, you they are automatically the owner. So if I just take that whole blog post and the recipes in there, then I am uh, I have violated copyright law. So by doing that, what you could do is you can send them a cease and desist letter 
I have a free template on my website if somebody wants it. And then uh, because this is a very common issue. So mm-hmm. uh, which is why I give that template for free. So you can send them a season desist letter and you can just tell them that it, it's got the language already in there that, hey, you violated this. So you must remove it. If they don't comply, then you can even take the next steps, such as, you know, uh, con- sending them the DMCA notice, like contacting the hosting company and even getting their site shut down. But for that, obviously, you need to uh, take photos, you need evidence. And so there are different steps that you could do, uh, take to basically make sure that that particular content is taken down. So yes, you do have those legal rights. So one other copyright thing, let's say on Instagram, someone creates an account exactly similar to my name, not exactly the same exact, they add in like a one or some Mm -hmm. sort of symbol, but they've taken all of the photos that are on my Instagram and put it onto theirs to try to look like it's me. So they're impersonating, right? What are legally, because it's on Instagram, how does that work? Yeah, unfor- yeah, unfortunately, we see this issue a lot too. So with Instagram, uh, because it is their platform, you are bound by their terms and conditions. So anytime you use any of these social media platforms, you are now obligated and you have to follow their terms and conditions. So for those, you would obviously report to Instagram. All of them have their violation, um, you know, they give you ways for you to report, right? If mm-hmm. there is any kind of, is for example, if it, this happens a lot on Pinterest too. Pins get stolen all the time, but at least right. Pinterest has a very good platform where they will just make, make you uh, report it to them, right? So it's Instagram, you would have to do the same exact thing because it's not your website, because it's not your platform. Unfortunately, you have to follow their protocols and their rules. And that's all you can do at that point is to basically have Instagram remove that. Yes. No, that makes a ton of sense. And I think that the times that I have gone through it, what has helped me is if it's a photo of myself that I didn't take going to my photographer and asking her to actually put in the through Instagram's terms or whatever to say that someone's impersonating because it's technically her content that I purchased. Um, that has taken it down much faster. So for like my food bloggers, my DIYers, if you can prove it's your photos, yeah. uh, it, I think it just happens faster. It does. It does. And that's a very good point. And hundred percent, like you, that that's what I kind of meant by ed- evidence, by having evidence. Yes. Like you, yeah, you need to give the evidence because if you, yeah, if it's like someone's actual photos and you can prove that, then yeah, it's a much faster process because nobody wants to have to deal with this uh, copyright violations. Right. So right. It can be very costly if, you know, if the attorneys do have to get involved and then they have to con. I mean, that look, you always have the option of hiring an attorney and then they are sending the letter to Instagram and they're contacting, but it's just a lengthier and a crazy process. Right. So the first step is you want to use their platform to try to reach out, um, which is a lot more efficient and and then it's free. (laughs) Yes. No. Definitely. So tell me about your legal guide that you're offering. We're going to link to you in the show notes so that my audience can make sure that they grab that. Yeah, so absolutely. So um, in a nutshell, you know, you need like some legal uh, protection. As I mentioned, if you have a website, you need some legal pages, whether it's privacy policy, disclaimer, terms and conditions. And I see a lot of bloggers making all kinds of legal mistakes. So uh, what I did is I put together a helpful guide that kind of walks you through exactly what are those legal pages? 
why you need them, um, how they protect your business, and all, and obviously how to easily get done with those, right? Whether it's my templates or somebody else, but at least I give you all the information that you need to avoid making costly mistakes from your site. Because as I mentioned, when you're a blogger, your website is your business. So that's what this legal guide is designed to do. Over the years working as a blogger and so many years working as a lawyer, I've come across um, business owners making all kinds of mistakes and I highlight all of those. We also go into website compliance with accessibility accessibility lawsuits, right? So we've been seeing a huge increase in ADA non-compliance lawsuits, ADA's Americans with Disabilities Act. So in the last couple of years, Jenny, we've seen like a huge surge of uh, lawsuits being brought against uh, websites that are not compliant um, and that they don't offer capabilities for people to be able to consume content, people who have disabilities. Mm -hmm. So I kind of also have a legal bundle and I also have some information in that free guide where I let you know what you need to do and how to get done with all of those things easily so that you can, you know, you can protect your blogging business. Yes. No, excellent. We're going to make sure that we have that link to the show notes and everyone needs to make sure that they go and download that so they can make sure they have all the pieces because it's not just one or two that you need. It's all of them. So they all protect you. So good. Well, Amira, thank you so much for taking the time to speak with me and my audience. I appreciate you. No. And thank you so much for having me. It was my pleasure. Amira shared so much great information that you can literally see the progression of your business happening and making sure that you are protecting it legally. One of the most important things that you can do because you don't want to put your time and effort into something that can easily get taken away if you haven't covered yourself or protected yourself legally. So if you haven't already grabbed her legal guide, go and do that so that you can check off the things, make sure that you have everything that is going to protect you and be able to help you continue to grow. As always, I appreciate you so much for taking the time to listen in. If you haven't already left a rating and review, I would so appreciate it if you took the time to do so quickly. Just scroll down on your podcasting app and you'll see a spot that says, stars and your review pop it in right there and I just appreciate when you do all right guys until next time I will see you all then 